Hi, I'm Nate Flax. I'm Noah Longworth-McGuire. And, and this, this is, is Talking, Talking Lion. Lion. Talking Lion is a podcast focused on artist-to-artist conversations. We're primarily artists, a duo called Sleeping Lion. And throughout our career as songwriters and producers, we've had the opportunity to work with so many incredible rising artists. Talking Lion is about hitting record on the conversations we've had with our musical friends and collaborators to get a glimpse into what their life's been like and where it's going. A few reminders before we start. Firstly, we now have a Patreon for fans of the show to show their support and help keep the show going. As a Patreon subscriber, not only will you earn rewards, but you'll also gain exclusive access to a chat room in our Discord server. Here you can talk with us and even suggest questions for our guests. Go to patreon.com slash talkinglion to subscribe. We appreciate your support. As we mentioned, we also have a Discord server that's become a sort of community hub for Sleeping Lion and Talking Lion. We're very active on there and very eager to talk to you about who you are on the show and how you feel about the new episodes, as well as just talking about life. So yeah, come through and you can talk with us. You can make some new friends, share your art, and share your memes. Go to sleepinglionmusic.com slash discord to join our server. We hope to see you there. Lastly, our face is on a shirt. We have shirts now for Talking Lion with our faces on them. If you want to wear us on your shirt, Buy a shirt. It helps support the show and it shows your friends that you like Sleeping Lion and Talking Lion. You can find these shirts on our website, sleepinglionmusic.com slash store. Pro tip, Patreon supporters of the honorary lion tier or higher will get a free shirt. Now back to the show. We recorded this episode with our new friend, Austin P. McKenzie. This was our first time meeting Austin P. McKenzie. We connected following the release of his single, Summer of Love, and we get to know him in this episode. A content warning, we talk about drugs and addiction in this episode, so if you or anyone listening uh, is triggered by those things, it might be worth coming back to this episode another time. Especially in honor of Pride Month, we appreciate Austin P. McKenzie's vulnerability as well as his journey into identity, sexuality, and creativity. We wish you all a happy Pride. And without further ado. I'm Austin P. McKenzie, and this is Talking Lion. Well, hey. Hello. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. (laughs) This is literally the first time I'm meeting you guys. Hi. Where were you born? I was born in Mesa, Arizona, which, fun fact, Mesa, it's it's about 45 minutes east of Phoenix. It's just like a random, like, white Mormon town. (laughs) Nothing too special. I can't necessarily say that I'm from, like, you know, a tiny little town in Arizona, but I'm also not from, like, anything special. Lots of Again, white Mormons. Anyway, Mesa translates to the word table, and that's because Mesa is incredibly flat, meaning you get shit ton of sun and therefore just skin burning heat. And it's also just <laughs> it's just a dull place to live. It's it's not the most exciting place. What was uh, what was the experience like growing up there? Like, what, what, did you have to deal with some of the bigoted white Mormons? And was music accepted, or was it more of a footloose situation? Uh, <laughs> Uh, well, I grew up very, I grew up very religious, mostly based off my own accord, though. M- Mormon or? Christ- non-denominational Christian. And gotcha. um, my mom was raised Catholic. And then when she, you know, left home, I, I guess she just um, took the path of non-denominational Christian. And so I grew up going to church every once in a while with my family, but I was really riveted by church and by the whole experience. And so I really stuck with it deeply f- up until, God, uh, like right after college, so like 2014. So I've always been very open to any sort of religious or spiritual ideas. And so growing up in Mesa, when all my friends and family members also were Mormon, I was super open to it, open to learning, because of course I knew I knew all of like the 
liberal stigmas of, of Mormonism, but I sort of wanted to find out for myself. And so I did spend a, I did spend a chunk of time growing up learning about Mormonism, going to Mormon church, talking to Mormon missionaries, just sort of seeing what the whole thing's about. And as it turns out, it's not for me. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was I was gonna say, did, uh, you uh, you got rid of the, uh, the the Western stigma and and created your own, you know? <laughs> the, the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, like um, yeah. I said, like all my friends growing up were Mormons, so like I didn't. You know, like I said, I, I knew the stigmas, but there wasn't like I loved all my friends who were Mormon. They were all so gentle and accepting and caring. And so I was like, what is this about? Like, let me find it out. I, I feel like we don't talk a ton about religion on the podcast, um, but 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 I do mention very often that I'm Jewish. And I think one of the things that was very eye opening growing up or like sort of just going to other areas, because in my my area, it was it was there were a good number of Jews. There were temples all around and whatnot. But a thing about like, as long as you're not an Orthodox Jew, the thing about being Jewish so that it tends to kind of just be like a background thing. Mm-hmm. Like we're, we're like, OK, yeah, you know, I get some of us believe in God. Some of us don't. Some of us like have a lot of random ideas about spirituality and that's wonderful too and stuff but like we kind of get that like the torah is kind of just like a a guidebook maybe Mm. and it's old as hell and then you run into somebody like i I remember the first time i met like like a very devout you know i i don't know the denomination but a very devout christian person or it's like uh, when ash wednesday happened right for the first time as a kid and they're like yeah and we're told that we you know to to put ash in our heads i'm like wait you listen to that (laughs) like that that's like it's not, like that. That was the thing is that I feel like Reform Judaism is like background radiation, hmm. whereas like it's, yeah, it's a lot more just the cultural the and cultural, community yeah. aspects of religion, and rather than than the then like oh the you, hard this is what you were doing rituals, today. Right, you know? right. It's like yeah, I always, I always like here's the interesting thing about me is like you went to uh, you went to Catholic school. I went to Catholic school. My dad was my dad described himself as a recovering Catholic. Like he <laughs> he grew up Catholic in the Midwest, like in the '60s, and and kind of ran away from it because it just didn't vibe with his personality. Mm. Uh, and uh, my mother had a similar and kind of parallel experience. So I was raised very secularly, but ended up going to a Catholic school just because it was like, you know, the the good high school, mm. the good fancy international high school. Mm. Uh, and I kind of, well, I also grew up in Rome. So that also gave me a very specific mm. view <laughs> of Catholicism. Would you say it was Roman Catholic? It was truly as Roman Catholic. <laughs> yeah, right. So I got, I got, I got this, this window into, on the one hand, being like taught by like, religiously by nuns in certain contexts. I got a window into the classic, like very dogmatic, like Did you get the ruler? Did you get No, it wasn't bruised? it really wasn't okay. that kind of Catholic school. <laughs> like it was we had like a couple old frail nuns who taught us like once every couple did of you weeks. Get, like did it you wasn't get a, like, a, a, addicted to speed and get really good at chess? I did not, okay. unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Um Damn. But, but on the one hand I got the window into the like a little bit of the classic Catholic experience of of nuns being like, don't have sex before marriage and like abortion is terrible and like all the like all the classic things that you think of when you think of like Catholic education. But I also got a window into the fun kind of Roman Catholic uh, the part of Roman Catholicism that's actually paganism that just got repackaged over the over the years, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and uh, like all the, the the patron saint worship and the like festival of the animals, where like the pr- local priest comes out and blesses all the goats like on a given day, and all that like kind of weird ritualistic stuff that like ultimately is more about community. It's more about everyone in the neighborhood coming together and doing something together, mm-hmm. or. Which is, I mean, I th- or rituals, I'd say Ju- and I feel like Judaism to a T. Yeah, exactly. A, yeah. So it's, I feel like that's what's always been interesting to me. Like, I got to see the parts of religion that are very community, like oriented, and that can be very positive for people, and just mm. bring people together in in a common goal. What made you? Because you said that when you when you were in college, it, you kind of 
started to feel, you know, a bit more straying from from faith and whatnot. What what would you say kind of prompted that? And what was your sort of um, well, I like, so it throughout, I went to college for two years and I dropped out classic and, um, nice. wait, wait, where did you go? I went to Columbia college, Chicago, not the smart, oh, not the smart Columbia, the, no, I know the other, Chi- I know, I know Chicago. Yeah. The, uh, the liberal arts, weird experimental art. You got the deep dish version of Columbia. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a, that's a very good, um, I don't know if that's a pun, double entendre. I don't know. I like it. Um, no, so I went to school in Chicago and for for the two years I was there, um, just like devoted to the Christian church that I was going to. I was in a Bible study, I um, at which I loved. I loved the people that I like did the Bible study with. I did Sunday, I taught Sunday school to the kids, wow. which I also loved. Loved the people I worked with. Like I was involved. And, um, and then what flipped the switch, I, I not totally flipped the switch, but what changed everything was I moved to LA. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was the thing where I was just like, why am I, why am I not going to church anymore? What's, um, <laughs> uh, the, the first, the first like few years of living in LA, it was not a pleasant time for me. I, uh, really, I had never, I had never been put in a position where I moved to LA and it was like, here's all of these vices that you can use to deal with shit, you know, or, you know, mm-hmm. quote unquote, deal with shit. And um, me being, I guess, naive, like I totally fell into those vices. And so there was just like a lot of, there was a lot of shame involved of like, oh, I don't belong in a church anymore. You know, I'm sort of a black and white person. So it's like, oh, if I'm going to be, if I'm going to be naughty, then I'm going to be hundred percent naughty. If I'm going to be doing bad shit, like I'm going to be doing bad shit and like Le- lean into it in for a penny and for a pound kind of thing. Yeah. I guess it's sort of, I guess that's sort of how I've always lived. I don't like, it, I don't like the gray areas. Were you out in Arizona or in Columbia or was that something that, that you were more public about when you got to LA? Um, honestly, that's what's crazy about that is that that is still a ongoing question for myself and I still feel like I'm coming out and that's I think that's because of a lot of reasons one when I like when I quote unquote came out to my mom it wasn't it wasn't like a coming out it was I was god I think I was like 23 24 and my coming out to her was hey I have a boyfriend I'm in love with him and she was like that's really cool and that was it and so like there hasn't been a moment of of like the weight off my shoulder of like oh finally i have like revealed what i've been hiding or whatever there hasn't been that and i think that that's just i think that's a lot of me just being like honestly like afraid of um fully telling people who i am or what i'm into i don't know it's it's just it's just this weird thing and and even to my boyfriend that i've been with for 4 years like I still don't think I've like really come out to him. And that doesn't, that's not like, it's not the case where like, I'm like riddled with anxiety or like this is a huge burden on me because my sexuality doesn't really feel too connected to like who I am. So that's also it too. Like I sort of just brush it off. Like, eh, I don't really know what my sexuality is and I, it's okay. Cause I don't, I don't need that, I guess. Yeah. Well, I think that we, we sort of live in a time that's just on the cusp of yeah getting to a progressive place. So like, I like I think I think sexuality is a spectrum as do many people and I think that it's it doesn't have to be super tied into identity but at the moment because a lot of it is tied into politics then it becomes about identity politics and it becomes about uh, mm-hmm. all these all these other layers mm-hmm. where at the at the end of the day like I just can't wait until there's like a 
you know, the, the time where nobody's really thinking about it and talking mm-hmm. about it. You're just like, cool, I guess I'm doing this today and then tomorrow I'm doing this tomorrow. Yeah. And like, it's not, you know, tied into like the the battle, the daily battles of, yeah. you know, um, identity and, and, and all that stuff. But the lo- the logic of everyone should be fluid in whatever they want to do or be or identify as, like to me, that logic is so clear that this mm-hmm. whole, you know, this whole political social fight of like uh, people being able to identify, you know, how they want to identify or, you know, these young people who are like gender fluid or sexually fluid. It's like, I don't understand why there's an argument. It's like, it's so clear that this is where we're headed of like the fluidity. And it's like, why are people fighting it? I just think it's, it's so, it's so stupid. It's not logical. But, to but fight it's it. like, yeah, like there, there are three, like, you know, three to eight steps that need to be taken, you know, in government and 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 in societal understanding to, to be able to even have a world where it's not something that is talked about or like just, you know, it, again, background radiation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I, I definitely, I mean, I, I vibe with that a lot. This is what you're saying. Like, it is also frustrating being when, when, it, when it does feel so clear. Like, you're right. The logic feels so clear. Mm-hmm. Of like, yeah, every... Like, and maybe it just comes from, you know, being a person with a pretty gnarly mental illness that, that it completely <laughs> whacked open, like my view of the spectrum of life. But it's like, yeah, it's so, it is so plainly obvious that, that nothing is set in stone mm-hmm. in, in our lives and in our mm-hmm. societies and in our personalities that it's so, it, it's frustrating that, yeah, that just people don't see it that way. That people are incapable of, of acknowledging. It, it's such a simple thing to acknowledge mm-hmm. that, that that our identities are fluid and it's well, it's it's frustrating that it, that it is such a point of contention in society. And, and I've expressed this I don't think I've expressed this on the show but I've expressed that like I don't know what I am and I don't know if I want to know at the moment like I'm happy mm-hmm. to be just sort of going about my day without major questions mm-hmm. yeah. you know whatever but I did tell my I did say to my parents at one point I'm like listen I just need to know now if I were to you know go out with a guy would that be a problem? Right. And they were both like no of course not. I'm like sick. I don't know if I want to. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But if it if I did, I'd like to know that we're good and that that's not like conversation, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like again, just like. But it, it is interesting. You, you Wikipedia you, and it's just like, and then he is this. But to your point, I mean, like to say anybody is anything is like mm-hmm. is is a bit of a I think an overstep. You well, know? I think I think one thing that I mean, this is part of why I'm excited to move to Silver Lake. Um, I've I've lived a, just like I've sort of like lived on the cusps of LA since I moved here, and I know it sounds silly and like why should that really matter to your experience living in LA? But I guess I've I've been I've always been like no I don't want to live in the city it's too much for me I need my space, <laughs> but I think I think something that has happened because of that is it's like isolated me from different experiences that I could be having that I think would be beneficial. And so moving to Silver Lake at the end of the summer, I'm excited for because I'm just excited to like see other young people and I don't know, meet new people and experience different things. And and I guess moreover, just like get in touch with whatever level of queerness that I have, mostly because I just want to, I sort of just want to like do a check-in with myself of, am I, am I expressing myself exactly how I'd like to, which is something I'm excited to explore in, in, in my music videos, how you know, gender bent am I? And does that matter to me? Does that feel right to me? And um, mm. it's like a cool little process. And I'm excited to continue to explore that. I think music is a phenomenal arena in which to explore those things. I think it's it's so, so special that we have that. Well, like I'm so lucky that I live in a time where, you know, I reached a point where I just had to make the decision, okay, well, am I, I can't find people to get behind what I'm doing. Do I want to just do this myself and like fund my own music and blah, 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 blah. blah. And 
to be able to even have that option of like, oh, should I just do it myself? Like what a fortunate time to grow up to, to live in right now where anyone can make whatever they want and put it into the world. You know, like I feel so, you know, if, if this was 50 years ago, 30 years ago, even that wouldn't be the case. You know, now I can yeah. just literally make music and put it in the world, you know? And I, I don't know. I just, well, I feel very and lucky. Music's a great place also to have that like belly check too. It's just mm. like, you know, sometimes I won't know if I'm like happy or sad or mad about something until I'm like, oh, I didn't mean to write that, but fuck, it does resonate with me. Shit. Okay. Yeah. That's how I feel. You know, like, yeah. And I mean, and we, we were, we were jamming out the summer of love post taxes. So, <laughs> you know, that's the, I, I, I totally, I totally feel that. Did I read right that you were in the Deaf Spring Awakening? I was, yeah. That's so. When did that happen? That's awesome. I that's one of my all time favorite shows. Um, oh, uh, and my my girlfriend in high school worked at a school for the deaf, so she I think she saw it like a dozen times, mm-hmm. like something crazy oh, like that. You know, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, I did that thing. I um, okay, so that when, was when was that? That was uh, two thousand. 14 or 15 when it started, when I moved to LA. And I had auditioned for that show. I was living in Chicago. I was, I was going to school for interpreting and interpreting sign language. And I oh, wow. randomly, I was doing some project, some research project for a sign language class, came across the casting call on YouTube for it. And I was like, this is my favorite show. I don't see myself ever acting <laughs> as 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 a, <laughs> as a career. Uh, or singing, but um, I don't know what possessed me. I think that I auditioned, I sent a tape into for auditioning with the hopes of like, oh, they'll remember my name. And then when I move to LA one day, I will have an in to get a job as an interpreter for them or something, some crazy thing right. like that. And then they ended up offering me the lead role in it, which was... You had Melchior, right? Yeah. And it was, it was so, it was so unexpected. And like, it was just so weird. I, I did, I was not going to be an actor at all. I did theater in high school, but after that, I was like, all right, that was a fun little hobby. I'm done. And, uh, yeah. So I basically like told, told my, I, I called my mom and I was like, this cool thing happened, but I'm not going to go like, right. And she was basically like, you have to go, you have to do it. <laughs> and so I moved to LA. I lived in my car and made 80 bucks wow. a week. And, wow. and, um, we did this, we did this little version of Spring Awakening with deaf people and sign language. And then about a year and a half later, it moved to Broadway and I was fortunate enough to get taken along on that journey. So I made That's my Broadway amazing. debut. Yeah. I unfortunately, uh, cause I was in college at the time. Uh, I, I think I, I miss seeing you, but my mom definitely saw you. I, oh, shit. I, I know she, <laughs> she went a couple times cause she, yeah, she's a big theater, theater person. I wasn't allowed to, I was, I was too young to see the original Oh um, yeah, yeah. I think but, my parents dropped me off and went to go see. Like they pawned me off. But that didn't stop my that didn't stop my mom from like you know like singing "Bitch You're Living" in the car. Right. Though, you know? <laughs> I love I loved that show growing. Up. Honestly, like I don't I don't want to give it too much credit because that would be crazy. But like I think that that show has a lot of influence on my writing in music because I I loved the the writing in that show of the music the like poetic you know whatever lyrics I just I loved. I love that show. It's my it's my favorite show. Still oh, is my I'll, favorite show. I'll, I'll I'll give it. I'll give it. You know, I'll say that uh, we we joke around that we're recovering theater kids. No. So like <laughs> a lot of our stuff. I mean, between yeah, between you know Judaism and theater, a lot of our stuff has a counterpoint and and 
uh, you know, different themes going in and out. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, we literally have a massively multiplayer ensemble <laughs> number, a big act, yeah, act our, one our last, finishing. Our, our, our new our new record, the last song is an acapella piece that the last, like the ending outro is all of the choruses from yeah. the record, like stacked on top of each other. That's dope. Um, <laughs> but that's, that's awesome. Do you have, do you have a favorite song from Spring Awakening, whether or not you sang it? Uh, my favorite song is Whispering. I think that that, the melody i think that the melody and i think lyrically it's just like the most mind blowing song to me in the in the whole show that song blows my mind uh i i also i also do feel something every time i hear mama who bore me the the right not the reprise but the the first song of the, the original show. yeah i mean when you hear the like the fiddle come in like yeah. that yeah. that mm. first uh, that first chord is just like gravy yeah to me i mean to me it's just like that's like a that's a magic show like i listen to that music and i'm like wow this is magic like the the melodies and the lyrics, I'm like, wow, it, this is incredible. I although I still don't listen, I don't listen to it anymore. I am <laughs> still too close to having done it that I'm like, <laughs> I can't listen to it right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that, that's definitely definitely fair. I think that um, like you know, when I was growing up and I was listening to pop punk and all that, like obviously you know, bitch of living and totally fucked and all that was like so cool, but. Um, when I got really, really into making folk music uh, and and got older, "Touch Me" is just an insane. Oh song. my god, that song too, as well. It's just like the the guitar and like those melodies and harmonies just always always floor me. That's part of what's felt so special about the show is because I really am like a strong lyricist. It was beautiful to come into that show being fluent. I was the only hearing person who was fluent in sign language. So when they had the translators, wow. we had we had three or four translators, like a team of translators translating the show. When they would sit down with me and teach me the sign language translation, which evolved over three years, like literally every night of the show, it was like, hey, change this one sign. Picked it up very quickly because I was fluent and knew the meaning of what I was signing. And it was so interesting to be singing these really poetic, vague, what the hell does this mean music? And then to be signing something that was equally as poetic, but like... It was interesting because the 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 structure of the of in, uh, spoken English and sign language are completely different. So mentally, I know that I'm singing one thing, and that what I'm signing is a completely different thing. Like Whoa, the, the trans, like, wow. like like the like the word for word translation for things in sign language. It's not like a direct translation at all. Well, so. I, I have a very I have a very specific like sign language question because yeah. again I, I i dated somebody who you know taught taught at a deaf school um, my mom actually would whenever she she took classes when i was a kid but one of the things that i always thought was really really beautiful about the language is that you you kind of get to to make up like what your name is and, and yeah. the thing that i was uh, kind of curious about is you know and maybe something you've thought about maybe something you haven't but like when you say when you sign your name mm-hmm. um is it the same when you sign your name as yourself uh, versus like yourself as an artist, like do you have a do you have a sign for you as a, as a person and you as an artist? That's really interesting. Well, so the 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 rule is is that um, it's called a sign name. What you're saying because uh, in sign language, finger spelling is it's like spelling the alphabet out. So as right. opposed to me saying Nate, I would have to take the time to finger spell your name every single time, which doesn't make sense, and it's not personal either. So uh, what happens is a sign name is, it's like an invented sign that does not exist that represents you slash your name, but it can only be given to you by a deaf person. Um, oh, wow. Okay, yeah. yeah, that was, yeah, I didn't, I didn't is, realize that piece. Yeah, which is really cool because it makes it like, 
when you know a deaf person or are in the deaf community enough that they sort of have like gotten to know you and they trust you and whatever, they'll gift you the sign. And it's really special. I've been given three sign names over the years. Um, I started when I was 15 learning sign language. So I have three different sign names, but um, I only have one sign name like right now that I use. And that's just because (laughs) as a musical artist, uh, deaf people aren't very interested because you know, right, right. <laughs> they can't hear what I'm singing. Uh, so no, but also I sadly haven't, um, I haven't, I haven't been around a lot of deaf people over the past year, which is like a big bummer for me. I love the deaf community so much. Have you thought about having sign language incorporated in like uh, videos and whatnot? And if you have already, I'm sorry if I No, no, you're it. good. I, ha- I haven't. Um, here's the thing. I, w- when Spring Awakening happened, I mean, that was my acting debut. My acting debut was a lead in on a Broadway show. So like having that happen to me was, should have felt like the coolest thing, but it didn't because one, I didn't feel like I deserved it. I hadn't been like spending my whole life dreaming of this, which also couples with didn't feel like I deserve it. But also like, it was just such a shitty time in my life that I don't really like to look back on, even though it's like important that I do. And so I, I like, I, I try to separate from that time as much as I can. Um, also too, I, you know, I'm 27 now and I really feel like the thing that I love more than anything in the world is, is making music. So it's like anything I can do to remind the 10 people that actually care about what I'm doing that I'm not Austin from Spring Awakening. I'm Austin the artist, you know? Um, right. So like... You know, for the deaf community, maybe one day, like I'll put sign language in in one of my music videos or something like that, because, you know, I do respect the deaf community. I want, you know, them to have equal access. But um, I'm just hesitant personally because I don't want to, like, I want to, I want to step away from that as much as I can. Totally respect that. And it's tough, especially going back to what we were talking about with identities, you know, uh, sometimes identities are accidentally chosen for you, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you don't, you don't, you don't realize when you, when you say yes to this thing or that thing, right. what might be the thing that people know you for. And then you have to have a relationship with mm-hmm. it, you know? Yeah. Uh, I always imagine yeah. that we're like sword fighting with our, our past selves, you know, like I want to, I want to, you know, punch both of us in the, in the face when we were back <laughs> in the dorms for some of the, the dumb, uh, you know, <laughs> musical decisions or business decisions we made. Um, and I'm sure, you know, child stars are sword fighting with their younger selves and all that stuff in their heads. You know, I get that. Yeah. I mean, and it's really interesting to be in a relationship with someone who could not identify with that more. Um, you know, for, for people that, that don't know, uh, my boyfriend is Kevin McHale and he was one of the main characters on Glee, which is like, you know, a huge show. Um, it was a huge show. It's still kind of people think of it as a huge show. But, um, you know, as you can imagine, you know, he deals with that all the time of like um, the fears of like, oh my God, if I peaked, uh, is this all people see me as now? Kevin is Kevin is an artist as well. He puts out music and he, he's, he's making music all the time. And it's like, are do people actually care or are they just there because like, oh my God, I love Demon Glee. So it's like, yeah. obviously me right. being in this like small revival on Broadway that was there for a year that like wasn't huge like that's obviously a much smaller scale of like what Kevin experiences. But, um, you know, we do talk about that and it's very convenient to be able to relate with him on that. I think, uh, I think that our, our biggest, um, uh, like duo combo power is that, uh, that, um, Noah 
uh, is a Glee fan and and grew up watching Glee. I've never seen an episode, <laughs> mm, mm-hmm. uh, and so we we go we whenever a Glee thing comes up, I have dirty. to be like, I, I yeah, I know, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, I have to be like, like like when uh when I when I read about Kevin, I'm like, was he on that show you you watched? Was he was that? I was uh, like, are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, we we actually we had a we had a, a writing session once with Cord Overstreet. Oh, um, I love Cord. Uh, <laughs> And I, I didn't know who he was. Um, uh, so, so Noah's like, uh, but I think, I think that's a, be- that's, in a way, that's a more honest way to go into a situation like that. Cause for me, I had to take the, the, the part of my brain. It's like, you're Sam from Glee. And that fades away once you get to know someone. A oh little yeah. Bit. But well, it's I, like, you can't like, like there is, it, it's an unfortunate, I think, quirk of the system of pop culture that we, 100%. we consume these people's personalities parasocially through these fictional characters and then and then you have to do a lot of internal work even you know like as someone who works in the entertainment industry i know how to do the internal work to like separate like no no, i know that you're a person i know what that's like to be a person yeah which uh, i think has a different identity through through media i think that a lot of people who live in la regardless of you know what level of success they have i think that we all experience moments of that of like oh yeah like none of this actually matters and you're still like you still you know, you still make breakfast for yourself. You still have bad days. You still shit. You're still like a regular person like me. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like, of course, I don't think that of Kevin. I still think of Kevin as Artie from Glee. In fact, I don't understand why. <laughs> I don't understand why he doesn't use a wheelchair everywhere. <laughs> he, he was in a wheelchair on the uh, show. For, for Nate, for well, you, uh, for, for you that hasn't seen <laughs> no, it. No, I, mean, I, I think I, I knew exactly that much because I did one Google search. But um, uh, no, the, 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 I think what's fun though is that like because... We went into the, the chord session uh, with at least half low pressure mm-hmm. or just like half like no context. We wound up actually writing a hilarious, it was a great song, but it was a hilarious sort of joke song about um, making love yeah. literally to an Oreo cookie, <laughs> like to to an actual cookie. I don't, um, I, I don't know, I don't know chord like that well. I guess technically he's probably more of an acquaintance because I've only like you know seen him at, at a few parties or bars and be like hi how are you you know that kind of stuff um but uh he's like he's a funny guy especially the stuff i hear from kevin and his other glee friends cord we is howling. just like it was, yeah. fucking hilarious. <laughs> i remember when i first met cord i think we were both a little drunk yeah we were definitely a little drunk and um it was it was the first time him meeting me kevin's new boyfriend although at that point it was like we were three years into the relationship but um <laughs> but he was like that's new in la right, that's yeah, new, that's very true. new in la that's true. yeah uh, but but Cord looked at me like we were sitting across from each other on two couches at a bar, and and he was like, um, "If you hurt her, I will find you." Meaning, Kevin. If I hurt Kevin, right. he's like, "If you hurt her," and um, I just thought that was so funny. He's just such a little. He's just such a little weirdo who has amazing music. I'm actually like a, a legitimate fan of his music. I think he's first of all great voice. Second of all, he's yeah. a great writer. I it was a, I, one one of these days. We, I want to get back in uh, to write like a you know a, a song that isn't about um, delicious cookies. Uh, <laughs> but but if but the fact that the that our only our only Court Overstreet uh, uh, song in you know unreleased song is, is but that's that's is a song crazy. It's song a song that I will always show people because it's so fun. Like but it's see, like yeah. it's a very LA thing. Yeah. I was about to say. Well, that's have you heard some of the songs on TikTok? Like you can literally put out the random most random shit and it could blow up. So it's like you know put out a song about an or- making love to an Oreo. You know what I mean? Like do it. We should we should we should we should figure that one we out. We should that. we should revisit. Um, <laughs> How uh how how did you meet your your uh, your new boyfriend? <laughs> uh so, yeah. um so I so when Spring Awakening finished, 
I was in a mini series on ABC uh, called When We Rise. And I basically went right into that after Spring Awakening. So that was, yeah, like 2015 or 16, something like that. And um, again, like still did not know if acting was even what I wanted to do and was still in this really crazy tumultuous part of my life and um, went into this, I think I was there for like six months in Vancouver TV show. And um, Kevin was in the last episode that I was in. So we had scenes together um, and I met him on set and we were friends for about a year. Really, really good friends. I thought I considered him a best friend. I don't know what his position was like, but I I just, I, I fell in love with him. And um, I told him one day, I'm in love with you. And then he said, hey, I'm in love with you too. Hmm. And then the next day he said, um, so does this mean that we're boyfriends? And I was like, yeah, I guess it does. And then two days later, Donald Trump was elected as president. So, oh, <laughs> fuck. So I don't know if that's uh, like our fault, you know, for choosing to be in a gay relationship, uh, cursed the world. So, but if that is the case, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to put a curse on all of us. <laughs> the timing was not not great. <laughs> of, I feel like I feel like we're not going to pin that one on you. I don't think I don't I don't think I don't think that's 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 on that's definitely not on you. <laughs> I mean, like as terrible as as that night was, you know, as, as I'm sure we all remember, it was also like a, it was a really special night for for me, particularly because I had never been in a relationship before. Um, I'd never told someone I loved them before. I never dated a guy before. I've never I'd never dated before. Um, so it was like totally new. It was totally scary. I didn't know what the hell was gonna happen. And like, you know, we're seeing the results roll in. Both him and I are drunk, obviously at this point, you know. And he just pulled me aside into what is now our recording studio and just like hug me in the dark. And we were both just like, we were terrified, you know, like what the fuck does this mean for us? And so obviously scary and terrible, but it was, it was just like a, it was a special moment. Um, you know, two days after starting to be a boyfriend with someone, we have this like instant, you know, another connection of, Oh wow, this is about to be a bad, a bad time for anyone who's on the outside of like, anything conservative, you know? The results this, well, I mean, in November must have been, uh, must have been the opposite. Well, funny story about that. Um, So, you know, the the election happened and what, we waited like a week or something for the results to right, point. Right, right. Um, the ele- election day happened and Kevin and I had planned a trip to go to Big Bear to this cabin. I'm a big outdoors guy. So we were like, well, we have to go. I mean, we rented this place and it was for our anniversary, you know, because we had become... Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, whatever. So we went and like we basically spent the entire time just watching the news, waiting for the more re- right. results <laughs> to pour in. Um, the last night that we were there, it was like... That was that was sexy night. I was, you know, all right, we're chilling. We're just on the couch watching the news all day. That's cool. But last night, like we're making steak, we're drinking wine, we're gonna get in the jacuzzi <laughs> and we're gonna we're gonna fuck. And um <laughs> I, I, that's how I see it. I'm like, you know, this is gonna we're I mean, I'm yeah, gonna blow. If, yeah, if, yeah. If you're if you're going if it's your anniversary and you and you have an Airbnb in the woods, you ha- there has to be a fuck. Well, night. like, like what how else a, are you gonna do it? What else is it for, right? <laughs> what else is it for? But I'm also I'm also the per- I'm also the type of person who like Kevin doesn't think this way. He's kind of, he doesn't think this way. But I'm like, I spend days 
like thinking about it of like, we're going to have sex on this night. He doesn't know it yet. And I'm going to fucking blow his mind. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so um, <laughs> we, uh, we were like, all right, let's close the computers. Let's not watch the news right now. Still waiting for the results to pour in. And um, I was like, you know what? Like I, I'd like to get some good sleep tonight. So I'm going to take an edible. By the time it hits, we'll be ready for bed and I'll pass out. Lovely. Also like great sex, right? And um, we make a steak, we play Scrabble. It's lovely. And we're drinking and we get in the jacuzzi, you know, we start doing the deed. And <laughs> he like very suddenly like stands up out of the jacuzzi. And I'm like, and I'm thinking, have you had too much to drink? Are you okay? We'd only had like one drink at that point. And I'm like, are you okay? He doesn't say anything. He just gets out of the jacuzzi, you know, butt naked and then sort of like storms into the uh, to the uh, the house that we were staying at. And I'm like, what the hell just happened? And then I just hear this like gigantic thud noise. And at first I thought he was like closing like the bathroom. I'm thinking he's like in the bathroom, slamming the door shut, vomiting or something like that. Again, only one drink, so I didn't know. And then I realized that the thud was the sound of a body hitting the floor. Oh. And me having been a camp counselor for so long, I like get into emergency mode. I run inside. Right. I'm also butt naked run inside <laughs> and this bitch is face down on the floor uh like fainted in the living room that's hardwood floor as if he was like trying to go towards the couch and just like fully face forward hit the ground oh my and like God. he's fucking like his he had cut his eye open or not his eye like right above his eyes so there's blood he was bleeding from his nose and he's like he's having a, basically a seizure oh my god Jeez. and and i'm thinking wow i must have been really great <laughs> Like, <laughs> wow. I'm like, wow, I really rocked his world more than I thought I would. Um, turns out he just has like a, a uh, he's like, he has a sensitivity to, um, you know, like however high you are in the mountains, the pressure, whatever. Oh, uh, yeah, like with a, the heat a blood pressure yeah, thing yeah, or something yeah. like that. I think that coupled with drinking, coupled with getting the, like hot water, messed up his blood level or something like that. Anyway, he's having a seizure. And again, being a camp counselor, I've seen it all. So I've dealt with many seizures. And I'm like, okay, my boyfriend's passed out having a seizure. And um, he hit his head super bad. Got a, con oh, you know, God. ultimately found out he got a concussion. I called my doctor friend and I'm like, eventually Kevin came too. And I'm like, should we go to the hospital? Like he hit his head really bad falling on the floor. He's like, yeah, you should go to the hospital. At this point, I'm stoned. Like I am stoned. And Kevin's like, well, I think you have to drive because I hit my head. And I'm like, okay, like <laughs> I'm going to drive you to the hospital. And I'm sitting in the emergency room, stoned out of my mind um, for like an hour. Like this woman comes in, had a heart attack, some babies crying. Like it was not, not the oh best anniversary. <laughs> not great. But it's, but it's your anniversary. It's, you oh, know? it was that's, special. That's, you know? That's, that's, oh, it's an unforgettable one. That's for sure. It's a damn good story too. Damn you know? story. It was special. Yeah. Pausing the podcast to remind you that we have a Patreon that you can subscribe to if you want to support the show. If you're enjoying this episode, but you're thinking that you've got a burning question for an artist, or you just want to talk with us, or maybe you just want to mug with our faces, our Patreon's the way to go. So go to patreon.com slash talking lion to subscribe. Now back to the show. Living in LA, it's like, a, it's really, it really is like a little bubble, you know, it, the, the, the perspective of the world and of pol American politics is very different here than a lot of the rest of the country. And it's 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 cool because you feel safe, but it's also like 
a bit skewed of what the reality is of the country. Of course. And you know, I I think though, you know, I know I know you I know you already want to move to Silver Lake, but but you guys would have really liked being here on the day Biden was announced because the street just exploded with people. It was just so everybody was dancing, mm-hmm. jamming out like playing on different trumpet, inst- playing the trumpet. Just, like oh, it was awesome. just a big old block. It was party. like it was almost like a New Orleans like it really style it really party. was almost like, like a, yeah, like a New oh, Orleans awesome. yeah, vibe in in Echo Park. It was just. Everybody was celebrating. Yeah, you know? and see, that's exactly the stuff that I that I have intentionally let myself miss out on because I'm like, oh, I need the separation. But that's what I at this point in my life, I'm like, you're you're still young, but you're almost not really young. Like, you need to go out there now while you're open, and then like you know, in five years, I'll be an old bitter bitch. But like, I need to, I need to, I like that's the stuff I want to be experiencing. That's the, the stuff that I'm excited to hopefully you know be in the middle of living in Silver Lake. Definitely. Well, you you already got friends here if uh, if you move out. <laughs> cool. Friends <laughs> on the east know. side, which are very important when you live on the east side. You won't so. want to go anywhere. Anywhere. We'll, else. we'll show you. We'll show you where all the great trivia spots are. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Good. <laughs> good. 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 Yeah. All the all the and when the bars open, like good good yeah. old bars as well. Yeah. But and you know and maybe that'll be a summer of love. Do you nice. see nice. the segue? Nice. Wow. Nice. We have found the segue. And we're back, baby. Wow. Girl. Look at you, professional um, host. You know, Seamless. we're in like the 60, 60 something episode. Like we've been doing this a while. We've been somehow been doing this for a while. <laughs> but yeah, the song the song is a jam. Y- yeah, you sound great on it. We were, the chorus was stuck in our head throughout our entire H and R Block experience. <laughs> um, so I hope that like you know like I, I didn't write like Aquarius on one of our oh my God. forms or something. Um, are you an Aquarius? <laughs> no, I'm a Virgo. Okay, right, I'm, I'm an Aquarius. That's what I was asking. Um, but, but yeah, uh, the song's great. Um, the chorus is, is super, super catchy and just a whole, a whole vibe. Uh, what was the inspiration for the song and, uh, and do you have a favorite lyric from it? I don't know a lot of writers, honestly. So I don't know if, um, this is how other people do it, but I work like exclusively in terms of, of like, okay, what is this album going to be about? I usually honestly pick the title of the album before I even write any songs for this idea or for this album or this concept or whatever. And um, I like very clearly one night just like knew exactly what I wanted this album to be. I knew exactly what the, you know, the concept was, what the theme was, what it sounded like. And um, at the the time when I was writing it, I was just obsessed with, uh, you know, like 60s, 70s Laurel Canyon uh, those mm-hmm. type of artists, you know, Fleetwood Mac, Joni Mitchell, uh, Mamas and Papas, like all those. I felt a little bit of hair in there too, like the actual like Broadway show. Well, that was that was part of the inspiration for the video, yeah, as well as some of the writing. But um, yeah, like I I wanted to touch into this '60s uh, world that I was like really feeling at the time. And um, when I was writing the song, I was thinking a lot about the leaders that I've known growing up, the people that I have looked up to and that have shaped me, but then over the years have really let me down. And thinking about um, just those times when when it seemed, re- it was really clear to me how to be a good person, how to make a good impact on the world when I was younger. And um, as I got older, just like, like, you know, like I said, those people disappointed me. It was harder to sort of see the clarity of like how to live a good life how to be a good person to everyone else. And um, 
So I just wrote about that. And like, I, <laughs> Kevin says that my, my, my go-to emotion for everything is sadness, <laughs> which I think is true. You know, the song sounds really positive. It sounds really, really poppy. And it is ultimately. But what it's really saying is I used to be so happy and now I'm not. And why is that? which is so sad, but it's, but it's reflecting on the time when I was, when it was easy to be happy and easy to see the light in the world. And that's, that's really what the song is about. I mean, more specifically, it's about my experiences working at a summer camp, um, for, mm-hmm. for 12 years, but that's, I worked at a camp too, growing up at, uh, I was an Asia counselor oh, at, shit. A, at a day camp. Yeah. Um, yeah. My, so yeah, I mean, I have such, I have such rosy memories of the place, even if it wasn't necessarily the case at the time, you know? Mm. Yeah. My, the, the camp that I work I still work there every year, um, maybe one one week out of the summer. It's a camp for people with special needs and um, really just shaped who I was as a person completely. Um, it, com- it just completely changed my life in every single way. Yeah, favorite lyric? Is I, I really, I always feel something when I hear, um, uh, take me back to my youth, to the waterfall when I jumped after you. Take me back to the green, take me back to my youth, to the waterfall. Because this time that I'm talking about in my life, we used to, uh, when we had a weekend off at the summer camp, we would drive like two hours to this amazing waterfall and we would um, jump off the waterfall. And um, mm-hmm. it, was just, it was just like a really special time in my life. And um, so I, 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 feel, I feel something every time. I live with constant fear um, and I've always been afraid of everything my whole life. And so... I don't know, I guess that was, just, you know, an exciting little piece of imagery of doing something even though you're afraid of it. And yeah, that's that's like what it was in that time in my life. You know, those few years, it was, yeah, it was just exciting. And I was young and happy and not yet jaded by the world, which I'm not jaded. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, what I, what I think is so interesting, though, is that musicians are, I, a bunch of musicians I know would describe themselves as sort of fearful or cautious people. and I, And yet, our jobs require a shit ton of courage on mm. the regular. And I think it's, I think it's less that, that, you know, music people are, are actually fearful or, or lack that, that courage, mm-hmm. but have, are, are, are just expending it on the daily. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, I think the fact that people go to, to roller coasters because there's not, a, you know, not enough, they, they have, they still have surplus excitement to use, <laughs> yeah. you know, like I get a little bit upset at, at my younger self for being so scared of things that made no sense to be scared of. Mm-hmm. Like I get upset at my, my younger self for not, you know, doing the Cod Night Joe at the school dances, <laughs> right. and, you know, not, not, not going on the roller coasters and, you know, uh, not not doing the all you can eat hot dog competition, you know, because now there are things that I don't think I would be scared of doing that I just physically can't do, and also uh, things that cost money, mm-hmm. and also uh, thing I have fears that are real, mm-hmm. and fears that have consequences um, sometimes even outside of myself. Mm. But the thing I'm proud of as a kid is I went to Martha's Vineyard where they shot Jaws, and there's a bridge where they, where you can jump like 15 feet into the pond where the shark comes up. Oh, wow. And I did that. And That's I was cool. terrified, but I did it. That's very cool. I just want to get that on the record. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really proud of you, Nate. And Thank you, Austin. I. It doesn't sound like the scariest thing in the world, I will say, but I'm proud right, of you. You don't have to judge it. You I'm, know? Just, I'm, not, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. All right. Ba- all right baby, baby steps until you until you skydive. <laughs> <laughs> one, one, one of these days. One of these days, you know, but... Um, but yeah, no, it is. It is just a. Uh, it is. It is interesting how much more you have to think about when you're older. Yeah. And 
Um, and when you're talking about vices, I was thinking about that. Like when you grow up, you see vices as these very obvious, like terrible things. But um, <laughs> I think that what's so amazing about vices is that they feel great. And what I think is really complicated about being an adult is like your baseline is uncomfortable, you know? Mm -hmm. Like you're you're always a little bit tired and a little bit anxious and a little bit ungrateful and a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. this and that. The other thing, and I think... Like I, I'm upset by the fact that if I have a couple of drinks, I'm suddenly very open and you know yeah. grateful and all that stuff. And 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 it's tough that like what vices do is it unlocks the easy mode. <laughs> it's the easy mode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you, well, and then you. What really sucks is then you, you know, you um, you add logic to it where it's like, oh well, why would I not want to feel good? You know, like I'm always anxious or I'm always depressed or whatever it might be. And then it's like, well, if this makes me feel better, why would I not do that? You know, it's so it's so hard to unlogic yourself of like why this is why this is a vice and it's not good for you or whatever. You know, everything in moderation, I guess. But like, I don't know. I guess that's the tricky thing with vices is it's you know, it's. it's I mean, that's the point of it. That's why people get addicted because it's like, of course, you know, why would and I? And then not? the down so so terrible. Like it makes it it makes the the hard mode even you know even worse. But yeah, I, I worked in film uh, like at post production for sound, and those hours were really really tough um, when I was younger. And I, I would take Adderall to do it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I remember at one point, like, saying to Noah in this, like, mania, I was just like, if I'm this smart on Adderall, why am I not allowed to be this smart all the time? I could just be this smart all the time. Like, <laughs> fuck you. You know, I could be this productive all the time. Oh, my God. You know, and then had the, one of the worst, like, crashes I've ever had in my life. Like, very much I can't feel my face kind of. Yeah. Oh, God. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's something that I... My relationship with vices, I guess, to say it vaguely, I, that's something that I've always struggled with. And um, like, you know, just to be totally honest, I, I am like nervous when I, I think I, I've, I see a lot of people, maybe myself in this group uh, around my age who are like, you know, it's fun, we're partying or we're having a good time and it's like, we're young and whatever. But, you know, when you exit that young phase, you know, what what of those things stick with you? And I think that's something that... um again, just being honest, I'm, I'm interested slash a little iffy about seeing myself getting older and being like, what stuff have I kept from my young, young years that is not good, that like is a problem. I think that'll be, uh, and, and the people that I know that I think also, you know, dabble with vices, you know, where, what is that going to turn into, you know, cause it, it gets to a point where it's not cute and fun anymore. It's, it gets to a mm -hmm. problem, you know? Yeah. Well, and in a lot of ways, like the blessing in disguise of my, you know, constantly inflamed body is that uh, it's it's tough for me to do vices. In, Wait, you said you're const constantly. You said constantly inflamed body. Yeah. <laughs> what do you <laughs> mean? Like, elaborate? like you mean like bloated? That's what I hear. No. <laughs> what so do you mean? Like, I have I have eczema on my face. Um, <laughs> I have like jaw jaw and gum inflammation. Um, my my bowels oh. are burning. Uh, you know. Oh I, my god. I, I, you know, like I, I, I'm just like if, if, if something can like, you know, be exacerbated, uh, I, I, I get, I get there faster. Kevin's uh, a bit, the, Kevin's a bit the same way. His body's super sensitive to everything. He can't even have like last night. Someone said, "Do you want an espresso?" And he's like, "Hell no, I'll, I'll pass out." He'll. <laughs> I'm from New York, so I, I, I can at least like have coffee and it not. Not yeah. affect me, but uh, yeah, you know, I, I somebody jokingly one time said I have I have Jewish uh, stomach syndrome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've heard but, of that but, yeah, before. But, but because but because of that though, like I well, when I I keep my nose clean, um, because that would be a whole mess. Um, but also 
I can't, as much as I like drinking, I can't really drink. Like I, I do drink, I do get drunk from time to time, but like I don't, I can't do it excessively because it takes me three days to recover from a hangover mm-hmm. and my stomach is killing me. Like, you know, like knock on wood, I, I have to throw up for whatever reason. That's not going to stop hurting oh, for two God. weeks. See, you know? here's, here's the thing though. Like, I, like I, I come from a very, very long line <laughs> of alcoholics. So like, m- m- you know, my dad barely gets hangovers and he's in his 60s. I, I think I'm genetically dealt the same hand where like mm. I can drink a ton and still be very high functioning. Like I have it in me to be, be a very high so functioning alcoholic. That's what I'm saying. I can't, alcoholic. I can't, like I'm, I'm lucky that my body wouldn't let me yeah, be an alcoholic. I, th- I, think, I yeah. think you're lucky. I think I, I have to, I have to exercise the additional level of self-control of being like, well, don't don't become an alcoholic because it's bad, mm-hmm. even though the, there aren't obvious negative repercussions. Yeah, I think for me, it's like, I, I I guess I'm a bit of a, well, I was gonna say I'm a bit of a masochist. I think that I'm 100% a masochist in that oh, I- gotta love a little bit that, of masochism up in here. And that like, yeah, maybe, maybe I have just like a normal body in the sense of, you know, when I'm hungover, I'm hungover. And when I'm, you know, my body reacts poorly to things it doesn't like, like a normal body should. But I like- I like that feeling of being hungover for three days and like feeling like a mess. <laughs> That's mm. so fucked up. That's so fucked up, but it's true. I like the feeling of like stumbling home at 3 p.m. the next day with your sunglasses on and like your party outfit. I don't know. I something about that. I know what you mean. It's kind of like it's kind of like when you when you have a sick day and you're excited about the sick day. I can't go to sleep unless like my brain is like starved for sleep. So I like I'll stay up until four in the morning, you know, playing chess. Uh, you know, my member will like, go to sleep, and I'm like, you're not that tired yet. <laughs> you need to be very tired. You know, that's the for, um, for me. It's settler, settlers of Catan. <laughs> that's what keeps me up till four a.m. Whoa, oh, nice. you gotta come by. We'll play some settlers oh, of shit. Catan. Yeah, Kevin and I got uh, into. Well, I I I learned how to play it years ago. Um, but then Kevin got into it during. COVID, someone taught him how to play it because they have like an online version that I didn't know about. And now we are both obsessed with Settlers of Catan. I love that. Never go wrong. I'm, I'm a total nerd though. I love I love board games. I love, I play D&D. Oh shit, we're, we have- I was about to ask, do you play D&D? We're on a D&D campaign right now. I play the D&D. I, What's your character? Who do you roll? Uh, I'm a, uh, a rogue, a uh, half elf. I'm a rogue. Half elf. Although as I'm learning, that's bullshit. Why didn't I choose the person that could do the magic? Never have my, never has my I'm pick, a half elf wizard. My pickpocketing skills have never come to use. Yeah, and if, here's the thing: if you're a wizard, there's a spell called knock, which allows you to pick any lock. So thieves' tools are useless. Exactly. So wait, say it. wait, no, no, but like, what what kind of rogue are you? What do you mean, like, like, like archetype? Like, because I I'm a phantom rogue, so at a certain level, I can like walk through walls and shit. Well, my my character in D and D is sort of based off of like Harley Quinn. So he's yeah. he's he he has like. 10 plus in acrobatics or something like that. Do you do, do you do a voice for him? Oh, oh, he's like, um, well, he's a little bit like um, he's always drunk and he's <laughs> doesn't give a fuck and he just wants to have a good time. He's, he's, um, that sounds like your character now. Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's my character in DD. <laughs> my, my character's back an alien to say, to, to put it lightly. He's just like, listen, I know this person thinks we should go into the cave, but what I think we should do is just light the town on fire because this place sucks. <laughs> that's fun. And I know a way better town. Like that's what he just he sounds like he's he sounds, sounds like a bit of an asshole, I guess. <laughs> I base my character on Lauren Malvo from the Fargo uh yeah. TV show. Mm-hmm. Um like uh Billy Bob Thornton. So, you know, uh, and at one point he, you know, he carried around a coin where like if he ran into a stranger, he would flip the coin and depending on where it landed, he would just kill the stranger. Oh shit. So, so I would just be like like 
Well, hey there. Uh, are you uh, feeling lucky today? Oh or, my god. Or not, right? And Noah's, Noah's character is like a lot more like a lot more like fun and vibrant. He's got like a bit of a like a shitty Irish accent. And he just he's very he's very fun, very fun and mild mannered. His oh. name's his name's, uh, name's Aeneas. Aeneas, and my name's uh, Waster. Uh, yeah, Kevin. So when we started this campaign many many months ago, um, Kevin wanted to. I was like, Kevin, you should do it. I think you'd like it. He's like, Yeah, I would love to play D anD. d And he did two. I almost said episodes. He did two like sessions of it, and he didn't get it, which I don't understand. What they're no, our friend, our friend who was on the TV show as a kid also didn't want. Like she played only one round, and then was like, like "This, uh, this was my me. life at one point. I don't want to do this." Well, I just like. I don't get what there is not to get. It's like you just yeah. play pretend and you have someone who's like leading this, you know, sort of pushing the story along. Like you literally just play pretend. He, but he didn't get it. So we ended up killing his character off. We killed, we killed our, our friend's character off too. But that's the thing too is this like I think, I think for us because so much attention is put on like who you are as an artist to make up a character and like live in them for like a second is really, really nice. Mm-hmm. Whereas like I, for somebody who, who spent a chunk of their childhood being somebody else. I imagine that that's <laughs> a lot more of a, a contentious mm. task to do. But uh, but yeah, do you, do you play video games too? Um, I haven't played them in a minute because I I grew up obsessed with video games, particularly horror video games, and Whoa. I still am obsessed with horror. I'm obsessed with all things horror, all things horror. But uh, you played Phasmophobia? No, no, okay, I tried to, but I have a Mac. And you can't play that game on a Mac. Like I even got, right, I right. forget what it's called, but like the thing where you basically can run uh, Windows on a Mac. Like I got this oh, whole- partition, yeah. Yes, I got this whole thing so that way I could play this game and it didn't work. I was so upset because everyone's been telling me to play that game. <laughs> but um, I don't play video games a lot because I love them so much that as soon as I pick up that controller, I'm stuck for like two weeks until I finish the game. So it's yeah, I just fair. I get I get fair. so unproductive. Like I played um Alien Isolation, Isolation oh, yeah. for the first time. Oh, that game's so good. I played it for the first time a few months ago, and it was the same thing where it was like my to do list did not know, did not know where my to do list was. I just needed to finish this fucking <laughs> game. What's your favorite horror game? Silent Hill. Yo, nice. okay. Yeah, classic. Truly uh, classic. Noah, Noah has a video of me with like a box on my head in college. Like I have a box on my head, like a big cone. <laughs> I don't know why it was on my head, but I was wearing something on my head and I was playing uh, Outlast and I'm just screaming. Oh my God. I'm like, like <laughs> I don't do well with horror stuff. We have a Patreon subscriber named Alan C. He has a he has a question for you. Are you ready ready for Alan C's question? Yeah. What motivates you to continue making music? Hmm. I I've thought about this a lot the past year, especially because I'm still in the position where, you know, other than you know, like Kevin, um, and like maybe a few people, there's no one really rooting for me. And that's okay. I don't. I don't feel entitled to that, or that I necessarily deserve that. Um, but I, I'm still at the precipice of something happening, and so to be in this position where I'm still the one pushing everything, still the one paying for everything, still the one you know saying this is good. You just have to believe me. You know, you question yourself all the time. You know, why am I still doing this? And it's something that I've really thought about for some reason, in particular, the past year. And I actually just um, finished writing my next album, and it's all about this. What keeps me motivated to keep doing it is what keeps me motivated to keep making music is music. You know, it took me it took me about 26 years to realize that that's 
the most important thing to me. And that's the thing that I want to serve for the rest of my life, um, the music. Mm. You know, I think like a lot of people through COVID have, have been able to reflect and think about a lot of things um, and think about what's important to them. For me, it was just like a strong, oh my God, this is, I am deeply in love with and having an affair with music. And, and I've always been that way. And it just took me this long to realize that that's the only thing I want to do. And um, I just, I love writing so much. I can't even put it into words. I love writing so much. And I love the process of making music so much that that within itself is enough for me to keep doing it because there's a million reasons why I shouldn't do it. A, a million and, and one reasons why I shouldn't be making music. But I just love it. I love it too much to to not. You know, and and God forbid if that ever fades and I stop loving music, you know, I, I think I'll be doing it for the rest of my life. And whether or not, you know, I get a record deal one day or whether or not anyone ever cares, I still love the music that I'm making. And it's and it's it's helpful to me and it makes me feel good and it makes me feel it's it's I've never felt more in my own uh in my own skin than I have in the past year feeling like a writer of music. Um, and so that's that's just like, it makes, that's who I am. It's it's completely who I am, music and making music. I love that. Yeah. I love that. I think the, the, what motivates me to do music specifically, one is that I, I get to wake up every day and work with my favorite producer. <laughs> so I think that, uh, you know, the, the way to execute ideas is always like very easy and very fun, you know? And the other thing too, um, uh, and it's just, it's a hell of a high, uh, when you get it right, when you get a song right and you know, you got it right, mm -hmm. if there is, it feels so good and mm -hmm. it's so exciting and your whole day's made. Yeah. I think that that, you know, and it's few and far between, you know, and, yeah. and then sometimes you have a great week and it's like everything you do, but yeah, I think that that feeling kind of keeps me going and chasing that feeling. Yeah. Kind of keeps me going. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I think it's also... You know, there's there's a lot of uh, trepidation when it comes to me being like, I'm an artist, I'm a writer, because, you know, that can be really annoying when people are like, yeah, I'm an artist, listen to my music or whatever. But, you know, as, as I as I like come to embody that and, and you know, how, how do I how do I name myself that without feeling like a total asshole? You know, I, I like fall more in love with the writing process and the process is for me is is so special because I, I feel like for anyone that's a writer particularly a music writer, I think there's just this really amazing romanticism about it where, you know, even if you're writing pop hits that that don't mean anything or they're not for you or whatever, you know, you, to me, I, I, I see it as you're living your life, you're going out, out in the world, you're talking to people, you know, you're having a regular life. And when you feel that, that moment of inspiration, whether you're in a conversation with someone or you're, you know, looking at something that you find inspiring, and like that little switch flips where you think, oh, this moment is really special or this moment is really specific. Okay, how do I how do I put this into a lyric? What aspects of what's happening are cool enough that if I wrote it on paper, it would it would describe this moment perfectly. It's just mm -hmm. to me, it's this really it's this really amazing sort of outside experience where you're totally examining the, the experience that you're in. And you're totally thinking, you're picking out the pieces that you can put into your little equation that then turn out to be a song that you write that. Right, and, and that. the synthesis. And, and I think you're right. Like if somebody goes around and is like, I'm, I'm an artist, like I, I, I feel like people 
with that inflection think that they're the only artists <laughs> in the world. Yeah, that's but what so I think true. is really kind of a beautiful way of thinking about yeah. it is that I think that that an artist, what makes an artist an artist is somebody who's capable of making unique and consequential decisions. So in a lot of ways, and, and I, I, I'm going to defend this, like I think that our, our lady at H&R Block this morning is an artist mm-hmm. because using the years of stuff that she learned, she was able to move parts around mm-hmm. and move numbers around so that what, you know, one person's math might say we owe, you know, a, a thousands. The, another person's math might say that the government owes us thousands. Mm-hmm. And that's math with consequences and and creative problem solving. And I think that um, you actually limit yourself as an artist thinking that the only person mm. who, who can tell you how to be an artist is another artist in your medium. Mm-hmm. But I, 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 it's funny because we have a music podcast. I hate listening to music podcasts. I love listening to comedy podcasts. I love listening to film podcasts, um, to startup podcasts, because the way they talk about how they approach a problem is extremely translatable to what we're doing. And if you see everybody as an artist, then everybody, then everywhere you go provides insight into your thing. Because yeah, today at H&R Block, uh, you know, this, this incredible woman uh, who's extremely overworked uh, took this number and moved it there Mm. and, and, and completely changed the tune of our, of our tax return. Um, who's to say that tomorrow I can't do that on a song that I think isn't working, yeah, move just, two li- lines around, and all of a sudden it's an entirely different song. You can learn yeah. so much from how people approach problems. Um, and it's not just, you know, we have a music podcast, but almost, you know, to our detriment. You know, I mm. think that the, we we try to talk as little about music as possible and instead talk about what it means mm. to... To, to, to figure out shit. Because that's, that's the great Jimmy Shive Overly from our, my favorite uh, television yes, show, yes. You're, you're the Worst, famously said, it's, it's all, all writing. writing. <laughs> which which he, he said, the joke in the show is that he's like drinking at a bar and he's supposed to be finishing his book. And someone's like, hey, aren't you supposed to be finishing your book? He's like, it's all writing. Oh but I think God. about that all the time because because to what you're saying uh, about uh, that moment when the, when the switch flips and your brain starts to synthesize information and take in information and be like, oh no, this is cool and spitting it back out. Like your, your brain is doing that. That, that the, I think it, it feels like it comes from outside of you uh, partially because like your brain is always processing those numbers and crunching those numbers. And then it's only in those moments when it come, when it bubbles to the surface yes. that, that yes. we feel like writers. Right. But in a sense, it's always happening. Yes. We're always processing. Well, that's, that's, when you're a writer, yes. you're always writing. Yes, yes. I could not agree more where it's in a way it makes you feel a little special <laughs> because you're like, you're always taking everything in, you know, and you're again, like figuring out how do I turn this real life moment into a three minute song, you know? So it's in a way it just, it gives, I don't know. I think it's, it's such a cool perspective to see things in. Um, and I think on, on the best days, I feel really, really good uh, about the fact that there's nothing that I can do. That's a waste of time or inconsequential. Mm-hmm. And then uh, on, on, on tougher days, I get really, really, really exhausted by the idea that there's nothing that I can do that's not inconsequential, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. If if you're if you're a sponge and you don't know how to shut that off, um, that could be both really really exciting and also really really um, overwhelming. But yeah. I think that that's yeah. what you know that that's what good friends and therapy is for, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel a little bit of Catan. I feel yeah, right. I feel I feel a lot of things about you know at age 27, 26, 27, you know, realizing the thing that I'm. I feel that I'm best at and that I want to do more than anything else. I feel a lot of things about that at discovering that at this age because, you know, 
I'm not super young, but I still have a lot ahead of me. And it is, it is that, you know, you hear all the time people say, you know, if, for example, you know, if you, if there's anything else in the world that you could imagine doing other than acting or songwriting or whatever it is, then go do that because acting is the worst job you could have. And it's the hardest job. And I, every time I heard that, I was like, okay, that's bullshit. Like you can be, you can like multiple things, whatever. But at least for me right now, what I feel is I've tried a lot of different professions that I thought I would love and I've hated all of them. Music is the only thing that I actually love and that I would be happy doing, which is a bit of a scary thought because it's like, oh man, you know, I hope it works out because <laughs> I don't have a whole lot else for <laughs> to do. Right. <laughs> Well, you know, yeah. there's, it's it's all spaceship maintenance at the end of the day, you know. Yeah. Um, what 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 motivates you? That's that's no, a, that's a tough yeah. question. I feel like I feel like my brain goes to that same kind of thing of just like, oh, like I don't know, like I don't want to do anything else as much. But that's not necessarily true. Like I have a lot of other passions. I have a lot of like I love visual art and comedy and 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 you know, fiction writing as much as I love music to a certain degree. So, it's partially it's like sunk costs. Like I went to, I went to an expensive music school. Like there's, there's a, there's a certain component where it's just like, I made a series of life choices that have coalesced into I'm a musician and that's part of how I've defined myself. So mm. even though I know that's, that subject should change if I want it to be, I just never want it to be. I think it's like, it's one of those things where even, even when I'm done with music, it's never done with me. Mm. Like it's, it's, I think what's, what's interesting also about our, our collaboration is that other than piano, I can't think of anything that you and I can both do well. Mm-hmm. Like I think I think that what's been really really interesting is that like almost everything that you wind up doing, I'm just like, how the fuck did you do that? And like, what's you like? How did you solve that problem? And how did you go into that? Mm. And like, I don't want to speak for how you feel about what I do, but I feel like I have a bunch of random like little knickknacks and hobbies and right. shit that like you haven't spent the time learning how to do either. So I can't think of other than piano. Can you think of another overlap of like? Uh, that you and I both are like really proficient at. I don't know. That's 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 an interesting. So we get to like just every day kind of learn about like making shit. Yeah. Less about what it is we're making and more on the, the process of making shit. Mm, yeah. But yeah, I think thank you, Alan C, for for your question. That's yeah, a very interesting question. Um, and Austin P. McKenzie, are you ready for the question round? The question round. I'm ready. Yes. All right. First question is, what is your phone background? My phone background is, this. the lock screen is an anime drawing of a boy at a piano. And then my home screen is space because the album that Summer of Love is on is called Somewhere in Space. Very cool. Very cool. Awesome. Very cool. Next question is: Do you have a non-musical hobby? We've talked about a bunch on on the show already, <laughs> but is there is there one that you haven't mentioned? I'm a big outdoors guy, so I love rock climbing. I love camping. Mm. Um, oh, nice. Very cool. I definitely, if we're talking about hobbies, I definitely have to mention baking because I oh nice love baking. Yeah, very cool. That's a good one. That's a that's a. A beneficial hobby to have for for you and your loved ones. Well, this is this is uh if you do move to Silver Lake, uh, play Catan and bake us cookies. For <laughs> I see. Night. I see now. I see. No, that's good. I make some good cookies. So use me for my cookies, one hundred percent. And that's... and your uh, and your hay. <laughs> and my hay. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, and on to the most important question that we have. The most probably the most important question I'll ever answer in your life on a podcast. Would, would you? you be, be a, a pirate. pirate. Arr. 
I wouldn't be a pirate because I would want to be like a, a a solo assassin, bad thief, anti-hero a rogue, type of person. A rogue, if you will. I, a rogue. I don't, I, I, if I'm going to be a bad guy, I don't want to do it with other people. I want to be a oh, bad sick. guy by myself. So whatever that is in, in that time period, that's what I am. That's a nuanced answer we haven't gotten from. That's the, from I, really, I really that's like a, that answer. We, we, we've asked this question 60 times and that's the first time we've heard that before. That's a very cool that's answer. That's why we keep asking. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it, 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 it really brings out the the your, your alignment, I think is why I like It really ruffles your sails. <laughs> very, very interesting. Um, do you have any tattoos? If I so, do. I just got um, another one about a week ago. I have one, two, three, four, five tattoos. But oh I'm, wow! I'm looking. Cool. I'm looking to get about 127 more. <laughs> oh okay, but who's counting, right? But who's counting? Yeah. Yeah. What was your first? The first tattoo I ever got. Um, I uh, was visiting Colorado. I was visiting a, a high school friend. She was a tattoo artist. We all got very stoned, and she said, "Do you want a tattoo?" I said, "Hell yeah, I want a tattoo." And so she did a stick and poke. Um, and it looks like total shit. Um, because it's a stick and poke, but I cherish it 100%. What, what's it's, it, what, it's, what is it of? It's the signature of Nathaniel Hawthorne, one of my favorite authors. Oh, wow. He wrote yeah. he wrote the Scarlet Letter, and um, yeah, it doesn't not does not look great. <laughs> That's cool. I mean, it's a signature, cool, though, so like yeah. I feel like I feel like you can get away with it. Yeah, <laughs> you can just say it's uh, artist interpretation. Y- yes, exactly. Yes. Uh, what was the first concert you ever attended? Uh, Kathy Tricoli, which was a uh, like adult contemporary Christian artist. Oh, and wow. I was a toddler and I was obsessed with her. And um, I don't remember this, obviously, but my uh, the, the famous story is that I ran on stage with her and sang with her, I guess. Like, oh, oh, my God. God. I guess she like she like picked me up and like, I don't know. So that was that was your first concert in a sense, too. My yeah. <laughs> my professional debut. Yeah. As wow. Austin That's P. McKenzie, the artist was with Kathy Tricoli. <laughs> wow, that's so fun. I love that. That's a great story. Can you recommend our listeners in listener land a movie, a book, and a TV show? Movie, Dancer in the Dark, is probably one of my favorite films of all time. Wow. An older mm. film by Lars Van Trier, I Van think. Trier. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bjork stars in it, and it's just like, yeah. it's a strange movie, but it just really breaks your heart every time you see it. It's incredible. It's redundant to say that a, a Lars von Scher movie is weird and strange. That's true. That's true. That is redundant. <laughs> um, incredible. I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a musical, but Bjork made all the music, so it's you know that tells you enough mm-hmm. that it's gonna be weird. I love her. Yeah, love her. Have you ever seen the video of her um, taking apart a television? Duh, I've seen it like a hundred times. <laughs> <laughs> and That's so the, funny. the 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 uh, the psychic told me that these little things are good for your pain. Like. <laughs> You should never let poets lie to you. Do not. Yes, the the television lies to you, so don't look at it for too long. Like, I. Oh, she's amazing. She's amazing. Amazing. Uh, okay, so uh, movie uh, Dance in the Dark TV show Russian Doll favorite TV show of all time. Uh, nice. Yeah, great. Um, yeah. Book. I, I'll just say my favorite book of all time, Blonde, with an E at the end, by the. Newly controversial uh, writer uh, Joyce Carol Oates. She's, I thought you were gonna say Dr. Seuss. No, <laughs> <laughs> she's uh, she's been known to be quite controversial. Um, 
in in the trans world these days on Twitter, which is not great. Uh, like turf stuff. What was that like turf stuff? It's I think it's similar to a lot of like what uh, J.K. Rowling is JK saying. Rowling, yeah, a lot right. of that kind of stuff. She wrote a historical fiction book about Marilyn Monroe, and um, my favorite book of all time. Love mm-hmm. that book. Very cool. That's awesome. Do you have a s- not the turf stuff, but yeah, <laughs> but the book. Yeah, it sounds interesting. I mean, she's Marilyn Monroe is an interesting mythological yeah. figure. My so. my, uh, my grandfather actually published like I don't know if you've seen like that coffee table book of like Marilyn Monroe photos. Well, I I went through a very serious Marilyn Monroe obsession time, so I've seen many coffee table books uh, about her. Next question: Do you have a scar with the story? Oh, uh, yeah, I have many, I don't know if you can see, obviously listeners oh, well. can't see, but oh, um, I have many scars oh, like scars on my forearm in really unfortunate places where I'm sure if anyone sees these scars, they worry about my mental health, but uh, these are just burns. I used to be a pastry chef, and so these are burns on my forearm from reaching in the oven and burning yeah, myself. Yeah, they look like, they look like, uh, like, like pastry burns. Yeah. yeah. If you if you watch uh, Ratatouille close enough, you can see that the animators put these exact scars on a lot of the chefs in that. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That's a great detail. I love that stuff. Yeah. All right. Next question. What are three thoughts you have at this very moment? I- I'm hungover. I really can't wait to finish this song about sex tonight. And I have been craving a burrito all day. Nice. Amazing. Important. Excited for what's the, What's number two called? It's called Lovesick. And nice. I feel pretty good about it. Very cool. Very you, got, cool. you gotta, you gotta write, you gotta write that the the hot the hot tub fainting song, like oh like call it high altitude or some shit. <laughs> I've I've thought about how to put that into a lyric of like the sex was so good I knocked you out or something. That's yeah. fine. That's I, I mean that's you can, you can, you can sample somebody falling and that could be like the kick <laughs> drum. You that's know? a great sound. Thud. <laughs> oh god. Last question is what are you looking forward to? I am looking forward to my next. This isn't a plug. I promise. I'm looking. No, no. This is I, this is plug time. But this is it's it's know? genuine. I mean, I guess sure it's a plug, but it's this is genuine. I'm I'm very very excited for the next single off this album. Uh, literally, so uh, I operate mostly out of the studio that's in in Kevin's house, and that's above me right now. And he's literally mixing uh, the next single. It's called "Sending My Love Through the Ether," and. Um, it's it's like in its final stage. It's gonna get mastered and then it's done. And I just I really love this song, and Kevin does too. He's gonna to direct the video for it, and the video I think is gonna be really beautiful. So I'm I'm really excited about that. My, my brain is so crypto obsessed at the moment that I was like, oh cool, it's about the coin, like the <laughs> Ethereum coin. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> no, that's that's so awesome. We can't wait to hear it, Austin. It's so nice to meet you. Lovely we can't you. wait for you to be in our neighborhood potentially. Yeah. Um and and for Catan and cookies. I'm just putting that out <laughs> into the ether. Into the uh, ether. If you you know if I may and uh and yeah man it's it's so nice to. So nice to meet you and make a make a friend today and yeah. uh, and have our have all of our taxes figured out, you know. So. <laughs> it was lovely. Um, the pleasure was mine. I had no idea what to expect, and honestly, this was just uh, really nice. It felt like I was just chatting with old friends or something. So thank you.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Talking Lion. We'd like to thank Isotope and our Patreon subscriber, Alan C., for their support. If you'd like to show your support, ask our guests your questions, talk to us on Discord, and get a shout-out at the end of each episode, subscribe to our Patreon over at patreon.com slash talkinglion. Thank you for listening, and see you next time.